Making the Leviathan and Sea Serpent comparison is a doctoral thesis which still needs to happen. That's not a scheduled topic on today's Clipboard of Fun, though. No, the purpose of this discussion is to talk about the Hellmouth creature. I mean, seeing as how the great fish which swallowed Jonah was suspiciously in the neighborhood of Sheol and all. I mentioned the sea serpent simply because he's bound to come up. He almost always does, given the scriptural passages I have prepared for y'all. Supposing I were one of the lucky ones to spot a sea serpent coasting around Norwegian waters in the warm and breezeless summer months of the early 19th century, I guess I wouldn't necessarily be wrong in saying, look, a leviathan, so long as I wasn't giving the L in leviathan the capitalization treatment, because there are entities like seraphim angels or the leviathan, and then on the flip, there are animals in the material realm which reflect their spiritual counterpart, capiche? My aim for this discussion is to inspire one of my readers, or my listeners, to sit around at the coffee shop with the normies, asking them the hard-hitting interview questions. Are Leviathan and Hellmouth related? Do they get together at family reunions? And more importantly, why are they never in the same room at the same time? And there you have it. Hellmouth. I have shown you numerous pieces from my own personal collection, and as you can see, it was a favorite topic of medieval artwork. It's almost like they knew something which we don't. Hmm. Well, I'll try my best to make sense of the situation. The only shocking part about any of this is that we have yet to hear of a heavy metal rock band by the same name. Oh dear. I was wrong about that last part. I checked. There is one such band. Hellmouth is an American hardcore punk band from Detroit, Michigan, founded by the singer from Suicide Machines. You should also be made aware that I came into contact with the Hellmouth through an avenue other than artwork. The Hellmouth just so happens to make an appearance in scripture. And he showed me a plane and a serpent, which appeared to be 200 plethora in length. And he showed me Hades, and its appearance was dark and abominable. And I said, who is this dragon? And who is this monster around him? And the angel said, the dragon is he who eats the bodies of those who spend their life wickedly, and he is nourished by them. And this is Hades, which itself also closely resembles him, in that it also drinks about a cubit from the sea, which does not sink at all. 3 Baruch 4, 3-7 I just realized something. I dropped this passage into your lap without giving the context. Oops. Baruch claims he was weeping over the destruction of Yerushalayim by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon when an angel of Adonai appeared to him. This unidentified angel then took him on a tour of the seven heavens. Happy now? The scene which I have just read to you happens to take place in the third heaven, which would also pit it within the neighborhood of paradise. And what do we observe? Baruch spies a dragon and a monster in close proximity of each other. The dragon, he is told, eats the bodies of those who spend their life wickedly. Boom! There's your hellmouth in the flesh. Can't say I'm basing my theology on medieval artwork anymore. But then, what about the other one? He goes by the name of Hades in Greek, which would be the same destination as the Hebrew Sheol. I will give you a moment to let that sink in. 
the entire abode of the unrighteous dead exist within the belly of a serpent. Had enough time? I am of the impression that you set this down, or press pause on the screen, and pace the floor of your house between this sentence and the last one, and then return to this discussion. All that prep work leading up to this moment, Yona and the great fish inhabiting Sheol's GPS coordinates, as well as that Chosek creature rising out of the abyss in Bereshith, should finally make sense, if it hasn't already. Another thing about the Hades creature is that it drinks from the sea, telling us of its established relationship within the oceanic ecosystem. How am I not supposed to read the abyss into that statement? I am furthermore reminded of the Cherubdis dragon of the Greeks, but I will also ask you to hold your horses, as that will have to wait for another hour. Meanwhile, did you notice the part where Hellmouth is nourished through the swallowing of wicked souls? but that it is Hades which constitutes the actual realm of the dead. Both creatures make up a superorganism of sorts, mouth and stomach. The great fish swallowed Yona, and then he entered Sheol. See how that works? Which reminds me, I have been saving the Job passage for a special occasion, and I'm thinking this is it. Leviathan, as you've probably long known, receives an entire chapter in the Bible. He has a fan base which loves to quote from it and probably thinks I've been snubbing his starring role this entire time. But that's not true. Had I done so from the beginning, y'all would have told me he was a sea serpent. End of story. Or perhaps something resembling a Cretaceous-era Chronosaurus. For all those dinosaur fanboys out there. Yeah, I've seen Jurassic World too. Need I remind you of what I'm not saying? that Leviathan, with a lowercase l, wasn't a sea serpent. Because, quite contrarily, the evidence points to that likelihood. The reason I saved Job chapter 41 until now is so that you might see beyond the veil. With everything we've been through, give it a read with a fresh pair of eyes. The physical entity evokes the spiritual. Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook? or his tongue with a cord, which you let down. Can you put a hook into his nose, or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak words unto thee? Will he make a covenant with thee? Will you take him for a servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you bind him for thy maidens? Shall the companions make a banquet of him? Shall they part him among the merchants? Can he fill his skin with barbed irons, or his head with fish beers? Lay your hand upon him, remember the battle, do no more, behold the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down, even at the sight of him? None is so fierce that dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand before me? Who has prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. I will not conceal his parts nor his power, nor his calmly proportion. Who can discover the face of his garment? Or who can come to him with his double bridle? Who can open the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. His scales are his pride, shut up together as with a close seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered. By his sneezing, a light does shine. 
and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke, as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindles coals, and a flame goeth out of his mouth. In his neck remains strength, and sorrow is turned into joy before him. The flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. His heart is as firm as a stone, yea, as hard as a piece of the nether millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. By reason of breakings they purify themselves. The sword of him that lays at him cannot hold, the spear, the dart, nor the habergen. He esteems iron as straw, and brass as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned with him into stubble. Darts are counted as stubble. He laughs at the shaking of a spear. Sharp stones are under him. He spreads sharp pointed things upon the mire. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. He maketh a path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be hoary. Upon earth there is not like his who is made without fear. He beholds all high things. He is a king over the children of pride. Job 41. The underlining theme of Job is death. Job's miseries were such that he wished to die. He stated so repeatedly. He claimed as early as the third chapter that he wished his mother's breast had never been offered, and in fact that he'd arrived at her knees a stillborn. I could go on. It all adds up to the likely reason as to why Yahuwah evoked the spiritual entity from the abyss. Could Job make a covenant with death? Would death be taken as his eternal servants? The answer to both of these questions is no. None can stir death and yet stand in its presence. The line that particularly stands out to me is verse 14. When Yahuwah asks, who can behold the door of his face? There's your hellmouth. Nobody enters or exits unless Leviathan permits it. And what leaps out from its throat but fire? Every weapon fashioned against it becomes stubble. If I'm reading this right, Job was hoping for a restful vacation away from the living, whereas Yahuwah gave him a new perspective. However horrid Job thought he had it, the wicked were in for something far worse. Look at the last line again. He, Leviathan, beholds all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Whereas Yahuwah is the king over the sons of Alahayam, the Leviathan is king over all the children of pride. Wait, what? Really? Am I to believe that a sea serpent or an extinct dinosaur, if the young earth creationists have their way, is king over the souls of the unrighteous? Ridiculous. Only a spiritual entity could hold that sort of title. The Elohim of Lemuria Mu, who was the seven-headed Leviathan from the Abyss, if you recall, as well as the sons of Cain has just been evoked. And then a funny thing happened on my way to make this recording. In thumbing through the images of my medieval art collection, I started noticing that Hellmouth had a visitor. Well, technically, Hellmouth has had many visitors come knocking, none of which I immediately recognize. This one, however, bears a striking resemblance to Yahusha HaMashiach. Could it be? I'm no art professor, 
but I'm thinking he would be our top contender in a police lineup. And what do we see him doing? He is opening the jaws of Hellmouth so as to free all the people. FYI, the moment it happened is even documented in scripture. And while Satan and the Prince of Sheol were discoursing thus to each other, on a sudden, there was a voice as of thunder and the rushing of winds, saying, Lift up your gates, O ye princes, and be ye lifted up, O everlasting gates, and the King of glory shall come in. When the Prince of Sheol heard this, he said to Satan, Depart from me, and be gone out of my habitations. If thou art a powerful warrior, fight with the King of glory. But what hast thou to do with him? And he cast them forth from his habitation. And the prince said to his impious officers, Shut the brass gates of cruelty, and make them fast with iron bars, and fight courageously, lest we be taken captives. But when all the company of the saints heard this, they spoke with a loud voice of anger to the prince of Sheol, Open thy gates, that the king of glory may come in. And the divine prophet David cried out, saying, Did not I, when on earth, truly prophesy and say, Oh, that men would praise Yahuwah for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass, and cut the bars of iron in sunder. He hath taken them because of their iniquity, and because of their unrighteousness they are afflicted. After this another prophet, namely Holy Yeshiyahu, that would be Isaiah, spoken like manner to all the saints. Did not I rightly prophesy to you when I was alive on earth? The dead men shall live, and they shall rise again who are in their graves, and they shall rejoice who are in the earth. For the dew which is from Yahuwaha shall bring deliverance to them. And I said in another place, O death, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? When all the saints heard these things spoken by Yeshiyahu, they said to the prince of Sheol, Open now thy gates, and take away your iron bars, for you will now be bound and have no power. Then there was a great voice, as of the sound of thunder, saying, Lift up your gates, O princes, and be ye lifted up, ye gates of Sheol, and the king of glory will enter in. The prince of Sheol, perceiving the same voice repeated, cried out as though he had been ignorant. Who is that king of glory? David replied to the prince of Sheol and said, I understand the words of that voice because I spoke them by his Ruach. And now, as I have above said, I said unto thee, Yahuwah strong and powerful, Yahuwah mighty in battle. He is the king of glory and he is Yahuwah in heaven and in earth. He has looked down to hear the groans of the prisoners and to set loose those that are appointed to death. And now, thou filthy and stinking prince of Sheol, open thy gates, that the king of glory may enter in, for he is Yahuwah of heaven and earth. While David was saying this, El Elyon appeared in the form of a man and enlightened those places which had ever before been in darkness, and broke asunder the fetters which before could not be broken, and with his invincible power visited those who sat in the deep darkness by iniquity, and the shadow of death by sin. Bezorah Nicodemon, the Gospel of Nicodemus, chapter 16. I take it you got all of that. Incredible stuff, no? I tried to find a verse or two which might describe Yahuwah arriving at Sheol in the person of Yahushua HaMashiach, but the entire chapter was far too spectacular to pass up. 
The part that really gave me chills are the concluding two verses, which have been highlighted for your convenience. You know how Yahusha stands at the front porch knocking on the door, hoping that we will open it for him? The set apart, of which I would expect to find Job in the rank, were demanding that the Princess Sheol crank Hellmouth open to let Mishiach in. Hasatan and the prince decided to turn the lights off as if nobody was at home, hoping that he'd go away. Well, it didn't happen like that. The clue as to Leviathan's identity in the Job narrative isn't simply relegated to his obsession with death. Mashiach, as it turns out, was also on his mind. And here's what he says. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth, even after my skin is destroyed. Yet from my flesh I shall see Al-Hayam, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes will see and not another. My heart faints within me. Job 19, 25-27 The question lobbied to Job regarding the fiery jaws of Leviathan was somewhat of a rhetorical one. Job could not open the doors of Leviathan's face, but Yahuwah could. 